Star Command picked a fine time to send the new recruits. All right, you junior space rangers, listen up. Green Squadron will retrieve the power cells, while the rest of you concentrate on those robots. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Behind me is the American Adventure Pavilion. It represents, in my opinion, the finest achievement of Disney creativity and imagineering. So, it is with great pleasure that I present the Inventor of the Year Award to Professor Wayne Zelinsky. We know what our goals are. We know what we hope to accomplish. And believe me, it's the most exciting and challenging assignment we've ever tackled. At w Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 319 for the week of April 7th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic to wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcast events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. This week's show is brought to you by our friends over at audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash radio. There's more than 100,000 titles to choose from, including many Disney titles like Ridley Pearson's Kingdom Keeper series of books. You can find it all over at audibletrial.com slash radio. Walt Disney was never able to see his vision for Walt Disney World realized, and we often speculate on what he would think of the parks and resorts today. But this week, I want to imagine a bit further and pose a different question, not to just me, but to you as well. So in this week's top 10 segment, we're going to imagine taking Walt to Walt Disney World. So if we could spend a day with Walt, what would we want to show in Walt Disney World and why? I'm then going to invite you to share your thoughts and comment on this question as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned for additional information and announcements at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Come to this happy place. Welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. When Walt Disney passed away in December 1966, he had seen so many of his dreams and visions realized, from groundbreaking work in film and animation to iconic family entertainment, theme parks and beyond. He was a man who lived the American dream and in the process made generations of people happy. But one of Walt's ultimate dreams, to witness the opening of what was then known simply as Disney World, never happened. And while his brother Roy O. Disney carried Walt's vision and legacy forward and fulfilled his dream, Walt obviously never saw what was one of his ultimate triumphs. And on past shows, we've talked at length about Walt Disney and his legacy in the parks, including back on show number 298, where we virtually explored the parks, seeking out references and tributes to Walt in the Walt Disney World parks and resorts. I called it Finding Walt in Walt Disney World, and it was a fun journey that was meant to help you sort of connect the dots between some of the details you see, as well as the man, and the meanings behind them. But today, I want to connect Walt and the location that his brother insisted bear his first name in a bit of a different way. Because Walt never saw Walt Disney World's doors open to guests or even sort of help direct where it was going once work began on, on its design and construction, we all often wonder what Walt would think 
of Walt Disney World today, and we can only obviously speculate as to what his answer would be. So instead, I wanted to turn the tables a bit and imagine what it would be like if we could take Walt to Walt Disney World. So many of us call these parks home and treat them as such, so I thought I'd ask a question. If we could spend a day with the man behind the mouse, what would we want to show Walt at Walt Disney World? And so to answer this week, we're going to look at our top 10 places we would take Walt in Walt Disney World. I also want to thank listener Dan Boyd uh, as well for sending this uh, idea in. And joining me on this week's top 10, as he does for all the top 10 segments, is the man who is, he, he's the Dory to my Martin, the Smee to my Hook, the Abu to my Aladdin, the Sully to my Mike. He is, of course, Tim Foster from Guide to the Magic and Celebrations Magazine. You called me a monkey. I've, I called you many things. <laughs> I called you a forgetful fish <laughs> with a soon-to-be-coming sequel. <laughs> I took monkey out of that. <laughs> you know what? I love these segments, other than the chance to talk to you, which is always fun. But I love these segments because I never know what you're going to do. And it's always a surprise to see what rules you have in place. And I think this one is going to be the biggest surprise. <laughs> I have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what I'm doing. Right. We we and, actually, we <laughs> never talk about these segments ahead of time. We don't now, compare notes. We don't send lists. We don't even discuss. We get on the phone. We exchange some pleasantries just because we have to and then get right into the recording. So I think you're right because usually when we talk about these segments, it is a single line saying, here's the idea. All right. If we could take Walt to Walt Disney World, what would we show him? I don't put any guidelines in place until after the fact, as I actually start recording this with you. Yeah. But I think, you know, like I said before, we always kind of speculate on what we think Walt would think of Walt Disney World. And obviously nobody knows. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate that I've spoken to people who who knew him and worked with him, whether it's a, a Marty Sklar or a Charlie Ridgeway. And I obviously I highly regard their opinion on that question because they really knew him best, both personally and professionally. But I thought it would be cool, um, and, and again, a couple of listeners actually sent in similar ideas like this. What would it be like if we, who love Walt Disney World so much, had the chance to show Walt our Walt Disney World? You know, what would we show him if we only had a limited amount of time, but more importantly, Tim, why we chose those places? So that's why I thought this would make a, a great top 10. And look, as always, we are we will definitely miss some. We will miss many. And so I want to preface, before we even get started, I want listeners to start thinking about what they would want to do, where they would want to take Walt. And I want to hear from them. I want them to put their responses in the comments section. If you go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast. You can leave your comments there as well as Facebook. I'm at Lou Mangiello and, and, uh, and on Twitter, I'm at Lou Mangiello. Love to have your comments there as well too, because I think, as obviously from our list, probably going to be We'll, hit, we'll overlap a little bit, but we'll probably have a different take on it as well. And, I, and I'm sure um, there's going to be a couple of things that are going to be sort of, I would expect there are going to be clear choices for both of us. Well, we'll see. Well, who gets to show their hand first? I think you always make me go first. So you say make me go first as if, as if it's a bad thing. If you want me to go first, uh, I, have my, I have my number one. Well, no, I'm going to, I'll go first so I can steal your number one. If that's okay, if that's okay. Yeah, you can go first, and if you get grab my number one, I'll I'll be happy yet shed a silent tear. Wow. Um, well, here's the thing, though. When I when you first told me this idea, I thought it was fantastic. But the more I thought about it, I was uh, I wasn't sure quite what way to take it. Like, why are we bringing Walt to Walt Disney World? What's the point? And I and I realized there's different. I'd have different answers depending on what the point of view was. So actually the way I approached this was I actually came up with five questions more or less. Like, like why I'm, this is why I'm bringing Walt to Walt Disney world based on that question. And this is where I'm going to take him. For instance, the first question I'm, or the first reason I'm thinking I would take Walt to Walt Disney world is what is it I want to share with him? What is it? I just want to sit with him see the look on his face, let him see the look on my face, something that he's passionate about, he, he knows about and is enthusiastic about. And 
I got two, but I'm going to pick one because I have a feeling both of these have to be on your list. And um, I will opt for taking him for a ride on the Walt Disney World Railroad. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, mostly just to – this is uh, to share the moment with, with the man. Of course, we all know about his great love for railroads and trains um, going back to his scale model train that he had in his backyard. And even through Disneyland, that a railroad was always – a key component to the park, whether it was um, the, what we're talking about now or Disneyland or, or whatever. Uh, railroads were always near and dear to his heart. And I would just like to take him on a train ride, sit next to him, see the look on his face to see uh, see him not only enjoying the train ride itself, but enjoying the fact that his vision and and um, appreciation for railroads still carries on to this day and is still one of the main key signature attractions in the Magic Kingdom. And um, just share that moment with him. Maybe even see a tear. Maybe he'll see one from me. I'm not sure. But. I doubt it. I've, I've only seen you cry as you approach the Tower of Terror. But I like <laughs> yeah. that Yeah. because of the reason why you wanted Walt to see it. Because that that, for me, was the driving factor in how I approach this, right? I looked at, these are things, obviously you want Walt to see everything, right? You want to see all of Walt Disney World because he probably could never fathom what the development of these 47 square miles looks like today, right? When he was thinking about this in the 50s and 60s, he probably could not imagine almost to a certain degree the size and the scope of, of where we are now. And so you want to show him everything, but there are certain things in particular, especially if I have a limited amount of time, that I want him to show him for a variety of reasons. And I think the why is as important, if not more important, than specifically what. Um, I, there is obviously one thing that I think a lot of us feel we would want to show him because of of its correlation, its importance to the Walt Disney World Resort. But for me, the first thing that came to mind, and if I could only show him one thing, believe it or not, it would be Liberty Square. Wow. Okay. And the reason why is because to me, look, every every land in the Magic Kingdom to me has a direct connection to Walt, right? Main Street USA, it's his idealized uh, memories of, of, you know, growing up in that, that small Midwestern American town, right? Adventureland, he loved to travel. He wanted to share that experience with people through his movies and TV shows and sort of bring that experience to them because they couldn't get there themselves. Frontierland, embracing that spirit of the Old West and, and the nostalgia and the history and, and the, the popular genre of the time. And he was a futurist for Tomorrowland, storytelling and Fantasyland, all these things. But for Liberty Square, to me, that is the ultimate realization of one of Walt's dreams, right? Walt Disney loved, loved, loved America, right? He considered himself an American patriot. I said earlier, he lived the American dream. He said, there's quotes to him that say, if you can see inside the whites of my eyes, the American flag is waving and up and down my spine is red, white, and blue. He, he not just loved this country because of what it gave him and his family, but I think that he felt that he needed to and loved to embrace history. And he felt an obligation to share it, not just with his children, but all of us to share it with youth and to share it with others as well. In his position as a storyteller, he was able to do that on TV, in movies, right? The, the, the Liberty Square Connection, something like Johnny Tremaine back in 1957, so many others as well. And we all know his vision for Disneyland. Not going to go into incredible detail here, but for off of his Main Street USA, he wanted to have Liberty Street and Edison Square, right? This cul-de-sac that you'd walk through this colonial village at the end would be sort of the e-ticket attraction, One Nation Under God. Well, Liberty Square is the ultimate realization of that dream, of this three-dimensional, interactive, immersive storytelling Hall of Presidents is the realization of, of One Nation Under God. We have this real colonial village, and I think... More importantly, Liberty Square is some of Imagineering's storytelling at its finest, right? They used real history, incredible details. They, they don't really, to use a Richard Sherman quote, they don't slap it on with a trowel, right? Walt talked about sort of the messages in his music. You don't slap it on. You, you do it subtly. You have to search for it. I think Liberty Square is a great example of that. 
the Hall of Presidents, right? Bring him into the Hall of Presidents. Show how far we've come from that single audio animatronic great moment with Mr. Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln, right? Show him how we embrace our history, right? How we learn from it, how we educate others, especially maybe foreign guests or even kids who come in, but yet make it fun and interactive. And I think most importantly, Tim, I think Walt would be proud of what the Imagineers did for his early vision of what Liberty Street and Edison Square was going to be in Liberty Square in Magic Kingdom, which is the only, it is unique to any Disney park worldwide, right? It is the only one here because obviously Liberty Square doesn't make any sense in Tokyo. I think Walt would be proud. That's great. I didn't even think of that. That's fantastic. Good night, everybody. I swore you were going to steal one of mine on that one, but you didn't. But well said. So another approach I had or another question I would ask or why I would take Walt Disney to Walt Disney World is just to sit back and listen to him. And I don't know, uh, I kind of doubt he was, but if he was, he's one of those people who you could just sit back and he would just talk and talk and talk about stuff. I think in a lot of ways he did. A lot of ways he probably didn't. Um, but for example, I think it would be a, a great thing to take him to the Enchanted Tiki Room. Hmm. Not to necessarily, you know, not to really share the show and, you know, sing along with him and all that, but <clears throat> to, to, to watch the Enchanted Tiki Room and let him, if he would, reminisce and talk about his whole experience with the Tiki Birds and his, uh, how he, came up with the idea for animatronics and all that he went through and all the things he tried and all the experiments he did and what his vision was for how they would evolve and, and, uh, and all that, all the, all the things that go along with that. And just to hear his point of view, cause I, this is, this is the person who thought of it. This is the person who dreamed it up, who better to listen to than to Walt Disney about this. Um, and, uh, I think it would be great to hear him just go on and talk. I, I, I think of him talking through um, like Snow White and the Seven, Seven Dwarfs as he would tell the story for the animators and how he would get into the story and get passionate and animated and, and really get behind it. And more than anything, uh, just with his spirit and with his storytelling and his and his gift for that to – to um, whatever passion he had to make you feel that passion too. And I would just love to sit and hear that from the man who invented and came up with the idea. And what better place to do it than one of the places where it all began. So I love that one. And because you you put that here, I'm going to go out of order from the ones, (laughs) sort of the way I had things listed because I want to sort of uh, piggyback on that a little bit uh, in terms of, what you chose and why. Because another one on my list was, to use the the correct nomenclature, Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. And that was my choice of being. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because I think think you're right. It's about preserving Walt's legacy in terms of these early original attractions. But as far as this attraction specifically, a lot of people have said, and it may just be myth or urban legend, that Walt Disney said that the Carousel of Progress was one of, if not his favorite attraction, and that the myth goes, it should never cease operation in, in the, the Disney parks. To that point, and if that's true, it, it continues to hold the record as the longest running stage show with the most performances in the history of American theater. Right, it is a theater. It is a stage show. Uh, it's the second oldest attraction, Walt Disney World, next to the Carousel. Like the Tiki Room, uh, even more so here. This is one of the very few attractions in Walt Disney World that was ever physically touched by Walt Disney himself. Mm-hmm. You could talk about the the Granny Cabin at, at Walt Disney One Man's Dream, but I think bringing Walt to the Carousel of Progress shows that his legacy is being preserved. He sees that 
we are carrying on. Disney is carrying on as he wished or possibly would have wanted. Wanted. I would love to also sit next to him, ask him what he thinks that we should do with the final scene. But I would, <laughs> but I would like you, I would like to sit next to him, not to watch the show with him, but I want to watch him watch the guests enjoy the Carousel of Progress. Watch them sing along. Watch some of those guests literally applaud as they're walking because that still, that still happens, right? People are still seeing the Carousel of Progress for the very first time and they love this attraction. So for his legacy, for his wishes, for the history, for what I think it meant to Walt, Carousel of Progress. Yeah, I think there's two attractions too. Um, actually, just talking about them now, I might think about them a little differently. But, but I do have most people realize that those two attractions, probably more so than than any other, um, are. It's a case where you that you you really can connect with Walt Disney on a more I don't want to say personal level, but you know what I mean. Like these are attractions that he really was involved. Ian had a lot to do with, and and that my base closest any of us would get to actually being, you know, connected with Walt Disney in a in any sort of sense. But the next idea I had for approaching this, and this is kind of a tricky one because um, I'm, I'm sure you know there's been we've all had discussions and thoughts about you know what would Walt Disney think about Walt Disney World. And all the parks and the resorts and everything that came up. Like, is it? Uh, do we think he would like it? Do we think there were things he doesn't like about it? Um, and um, I, I know there's been you probably had many discussions on that on that topic. So I thought one thing, one way to approach this would be: What do I want to show Walt Disney at Walt Disney World with the hopes of he would grab somebody by the shirt collar and shake them and no, we're this. This isn't right. We're going to make this better than this because this isn't as as good as it could be or should be. And it's it's a it's a tricky one because I'm not saying I don't. There's nothing in Walt Disney World I don't like. You know that. But that being said, I am curious if I took Walt Disney to, for example, Tomorrowland. In this case, what he would think about it, um, and. Um, just, I'm curious if he would look at it, experience it, and if he had his way, say, not quite what I was thinking needs to be more like this. Because I, I think, yeah, as Tomorrowland came to be in Disneyland and evolved, and it was one of the the, tr- the trickier lands to keep uh, current and, well, current's not a good word to say, but... Um, to keep it moving forward as it were um it was always a difficult one because it was it's hard to predict the future by the time you by the, by the time you create it it's the present and it's already past that kind of thing so it always was a tricky uh land to resolve and i i knew that we've talked we talked you and i about Tomorrowland and some of the changes that have taken place recently um i liked it more when it was more fictional and futuristic and it was actually a destination and a place and I think in a lot of ways now it's turning into uh, a place where there are attractions and not a destination unto itself. And I'm curious to hear what Walt Disney would think that and if this matches at all what his vision was of Tomorrowland and being more of a, a World's Fair Expo kind of thing, you know, where we would showcase the latest and greatest technologies, what's coming ahead, progress, all that sort of thing. And whether that jives with what's going on today and what he would think about it. So it's interesting that you say that because I, I too, thought of Tomorrowland. I, I tried to sort of... But maybe for a different reason. Well, I did. I sort of broke yeah. down the lands in my mind saying, would I want to show him this land? Like, I think I think he would love Adventureland. You know, but I was like, well, he saw it yeah. in um, he saw it in Disneyland. And when I thought about Tomorrowland in Walt Disney World, I sort of virtually was walking through. I said, you know... I bet you bring him into Monsters, Inc. Laugh Lore, and he would love the technology. He would love the interactivity. He would love the unique experience that every show has in it, the guest interaction, uh, how different that is. I think he'd be fascinated by what that is, uh, you know, sort of that similar type of turtle talk with crush technology. Uh, Bring him in. I'd love to watch Stitch's Great Escape with him. 
<laughs> you know, I, he would love Stitch's Great Escape. <laughs> I would admonish you for speaking ill of it. You know, listen, would he ride? Would he go to the Tomorrowland Speedway and be like, "Wait a minute, this this is the same as it was forty years ago"? What what <laughs> what do you guys? Do? But he might like that, right? He, so right. We, we don't know. We we don't know how he would react or respond to some of those things. And I'd love to hear what he would say. I would listen. I think we all would, but oh, we all would, of course. But uh, um, I, I thought about um, wanting to bring him on another attraction specifically, mm-hmm. and the one that sort of kept coming back in mind. I, I thought of different ones for different reasons, right? So Soren, the technology and the screen and and that ride system, I think he would be fascinated with, and the story of how it came to be from literally a Tinker Toy set that an Imagineer was playing with over Thanksgiving vacation. Like, that's the kind of Walt story that I think he would love. But my mind kept coming back to what I think is one of the quintessential Disney attractions. It has characters. It's very heavy in story. It's classic. It's music. It has a connection to Walt himself. And it's Splash Mountain. Right. Walt yep. has a direct connection to to the film and the stories. He loved the old Joel Chandler Harris uh, Uncle Remus tale since he was a kid. And he even said when he started making animated features, he always had them in his production plans. Right. And he had to sort of wait until the medium was ready to give them uh, sort of the adequate film treatment in terms sort of in terms of scope and fidelity. He thought that they were timeless. They had such a great appeal, uh, great quality. The the stories and the character of Uncle Remus was uh, very important to him. And why he wanted to sort of put these these live character live actors with the characters. We talked about this back on show three hundred five with Jim Corkus. We talked about this connection to Song of the South, Splash Mountain, and Walt Disney. But I think the attraction itself, Tim. It, it does have all of those requisite elements, right? It's based in story. Like that story begins as you walk towards the mountain, right? And you start to hear it as you approach. Great characters, incredible music. It's multiple attractions in one, right? It's a log flume ride and it's a thrill ride. It's a story ride. It's a music ride. It's got that grand finale at the end. Audio animatronics. Uh, I think it's something that that the entire family could enjoy. So I think that is a is a great representative individual attraction of Walt Disney World in, in terms of having all those elements in it that I think Walt would enjoy and appreciate. And the fact that it does have that somewhat relatively distant yet personal connection to Walt, I think he would like that as well too. You just want to get him wet. Don't you? I want to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get Walt wet. That's that's all it really comes uh, down uh, to. That's nice. That's that's actually that's very cool. Um, the next one, I'm actually surprised it took us this long. Is this the is this the is this the 800 pound gorilla in the room? Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're thinking what I'm thinking, um, you yeah, want to take him on. You, I know exactly where you want to take him. Well, we'll we'll, talk about <laughs> it. we'll, we'll piggyback. Um, yeah, we're probably thinking of two totally different things now, which is interesting. <laughs> Um, if if you say um, if you say a restaurant, I will I will literally hug you. But go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, hmm, uh, no, but let me see if I can sneak that in. <laughs> now, um, sort of carrying along with the idea of um, you know what I would hope that he would want to make better or improve upon. Like, what would I want to take him to Walt Disney World to see, just to see his reaction to, and. Not so much a reaction like, ooh, that's a cool attraction or not, but a reaction of this is what you said in place. This is what evolved. Now, what do you think? And um, I'm the main uh, culprit in all this would be uh, Epcot, of course. And um, obviously because uh, you know, his vision was Epcot, of course, being a city a fully functioning city that people could live in and work at and so on. And as we all know, for a variety of reasons, that never came to pass. Um, I think in a lot of ways, because probably the only man who could have pulled that off would have been Walt Disney himself. And, um, you know, not a day goes by. I wonder what, if, if he could have pulled it off, if he could have made it happen. But I would be curious to see what he thought of Epcot as it evolved. And, um, hear what he had to say. I mean, obviously it's not a city, but uh, it is a 
it's a park, but it's a different kind of park. It's a unique kind of park, and it's a park that did try to embrace a lot of the ideals that you had set in place from the notion of a world's fair always evolving and showing off the latest in technologies and so forth, particularly at interventions where I really would like to take him to and see what he thinks of that. But also World Showcase, too, in its own way of um, being a place that's it's about people. It's about people coming together. Um, and um, I, I'd be curious to hear what he thought about well, the whole park in particular, um, well, the future world in particular, but the whole park in general, and um, what his thoughts would be and how it jives with his vision of the city, which it didn't mesh, but, you know, curious to see how he thought it evolved. And if he'd think it was ho-hum, it's just another park, and I wouldn't have done it that way, or, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can see a lot of things that I was thinking of came through for whatever reason. It didn't come to pass being a city, but I like what you've done here, kids. I don't know. I'm very curious to know what he would say about that. Well, more importantly, as we're schlepping Walt through the Magic Kingdom on the train, on the Tiki Room, well, and Castle, he'd be like, room, he, by the way. he'd be like, would you people just take me to Epcot Center already? <laughs> Let me just see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. And look, this was almost the one that I, I threw out first. I figured we would probably do it collectively last because it is. This, this is the elephant in the room. Right. This is what Walt Disney World was about, right? He did not, listen, Walt did not want to follow pigs with pigs. He had done a Magic Kingdom in Disneyland. Yes, he wanted to have one here, but that was not the focus. We know this story, how Epcot was going to be the center. It was uh, what the, his vision of what Disney World was going to be in terms of this living, breathing, working city with inhabitants and, and, and residents and employees and all these things. And you know, Tim, this is the one thing that everybody talks about, and, and this 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 comes up um, every so often. And over the years, and I consider it a privilege to have been able to meet some of the people that I've mentioned before and talk to them and even befriend some of them uh, over time, guys like a, a Marty Sklar or specifically a Charlie Ridgway, and we got to talking um, about a year or so ago just about this and about Epcot and Walt and Epcot. And you know, he said something that was really surprising to me because... Epcot, the city, was his dream. And, and while he left a vision, he didn't leave a blueprint, right? He didn't leave step-by-step -step instructions as right. to what he wanted. And as much as, as Charlie acknowledged that Walt was a dreamer and a doer, he was also a realist as well, too. And the problems that Disney encountered after Walt's death, Walt would have encountered as well, too. And he, if he did not have a solution in his mind, he was, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we can't do this. And he says, you know what? I think Walt would like this. I think Walt would like what his original vision of Epcot evolved to. Now, that's not me saying that. I take that from Charlie, and I and I give a lot of credence to it because of the close relationship that he had with Walt. Um, understanding that the concept for the city and the issues that were going to be surrounding it were ones that Walt would have had to um, deal with as well, too. Maybe not even be able to overcome. Maybe this is, is sort of the direction that vision would have gone because he really is a realist. So uh, I, I take that, I take solace in the fact that others who knew Walt have said, yeah, you know what? I think, I think Walt would like what they've done here. I think they would like what the direction they took. I'm sure he would have some um, constructive criticisms, you know, for things that maybe they could change along the way too. But I don't think it would be like, where is my city? Where's my skyscraper? Where's my dome? Where are all these things? Um, that was a vision but he, he very much was a realist. So, uh, okay. yeah, I think this is the one that everybody thinks, you know, what would Yeah, that was kind of the go-to yeah. one. And I'm sure been talked to death, obviously. I have a feeling, too, that everybody, like, that you talk to, not just that you talk to, but everybody who works for Disney, and especially the parks, um, even today, I'm sure, in the back of their heads, or the back of their minds as they're dreaming up new things and thinking about how to improve the parks is, um, you know, what would Walt do? And what would Walt think? And, and I still think that that's a wonderful legacy and a fantastic thing that, that his, his dream and his vision is still a very big part of what goes on there. Right. Not, not letting what they think his vision was steer the ship, but this is what we're going to do. And yes, still being considerate of, keep of the spirit. Yeah. Right. Right. So. 
Um, the the last one that I have since since that was one of my five, uh, we keep talking about specifically the parks, right? And and as and I want to show him things beyond the parks as well too, right? Like believe it or not, Tim, I, I want to show him that the quarter of the property that was set aside for a wilderness preserve because it was that's that kind of thing, right? That's Walt's legacy yeah. going forward because it was that important to him. I want to show him downtown Disney and Lake Buena Vista Village and what Disney Springs is going to be, but specifically the places I want to go on, and I am going to sort of wrap three into one because they all... Uh, well, hold on, I got one more to go here. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> um, because what I want to show him are not the parks. I want to show him some of the resorts, and specifically the ones that jumped out into my mind were Art of Animation, Wilderness Lodge and An Animal Kingdom Lodge. And the reason why I picked those was, especially like Wilderness and Animal Kingdom Lodge and even Art of Animation too, these resorts are very much rooted in storytelling, right? Even something like Port Orleans, right? It goes, it goes back to the basics, right? Think back to October 1955, right, when the Disneyland Hotel opens, it, it was a motor inn, right? It was like a motor lodge. Jack Rather owned it. They Disney worked with them, allowed them to sort of be the first hotel to officially bear, bear that Disney name until they took over, I think, in, in 88. But I think Walt would like to see that it's not just about the guest experience, right, and the way that it sort of goes beyond the, the people inside the theme parks, that are, are making the guest experience where it is because that's why we go back, right? It has nothing to do with the attractions. It's because of the cast. But showing that storytelling is still paramount even at the resorts, right? Th these are far cries from the original Disneyland Hotel, right? That art of animation going back to those now classic stories that resonate with people and creating these such immersive environments there. Wilderness Lodge, Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, it's about nature. It's about people. It's about the culture. It's those those basic storytelling elements that are so authentic and so genuine and so organic to those resorts. That's why we look at them as attractions in and of themselves. I think Walt probably, dare I say, never could have imagined something like a mm -hmm. Wilderness Lodge or a Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. The authentic culture that, that comes into, especially a place like Animal Kingdom Lodge, where people from those from, from Africa are there making the experience so real, right? He's got his, he's got his animals outside on the safari, you know, on, on the savannah um, where, where, where guests can sort of look at while they're, while they're eating or from their rooms. I think Walt would be blown away by what Disney has done in terms of storytelling at the resorts. I think so. And that, that actually is kind of the last thing I was talking or that I was going to, uh, have as my question, like, why would I bring Walt here? And it was, it was, what do I want to show? What do I want to show Walt Disney to show him how far it has come and how it has evolved and what, what, what the things he said in place, what they've led to today. And I had a few, and since you kind of threw a couple in there, I'll throw a couple in there. Um, when he said resorts, actually had one resort area too, and he didn't get anywhere near the one I was thinking of, which is funny. Um, I'd like him to see the um, Epcot Resort area. Mm -hmm. not, not a particular resort specifically, but just the whole complex. The, the fact that you have the resorts around the lagoon with uh, the boats, you can walk to two parks. It's, and the reason I would want him to see that is not because just not because it's a wonderful place to be, which I think it is, but I think the, his, the idea of creating a place where people can escape and people can get away from the real world, um, it, it happens all over Walt Disney World, but for me personally, this is one place that I really feel that, um, mostly because of the sheer size of this particular area. Now, you're not just talking about an aerial park. You're talking about basically a whole complex, which in of itself is really shut off from the outside world if you choose it to be, like if you don't drive your car to and from the resorts and stuff. Um, and I like to see that just to see, like, you, we did, you did have all this space to have all, all your, to create all the dreams you could create. And, and this right here exemplifies a, great place to get away 
that people can't escape from the everyday world and just enjoy themselves, no matter what they're doing. Not just going to the parks, but just relaxing, eating, walking around with their family, being with the people they care about. Um, and the other thing I would like to show him, and, and I will preface, this is kind of cheesy probably, but I would like to take him to the castle. And during a dreamlight ceremony or during a wishes spectacular or something, not, not for him to see the castle necessarily, although I think I'd like to think he would be greatly impressed by it, and not just to see the spectacle, the fireworks and so on, but to see the looks on the faces of everybody that's there and to see the, the looks of astonishment, wonder, emotion, joy, people crying, you know, the whole thing. And just let him see that this is, this is what you've created. This is how you've touched so many people. And this is the world that you, you put in motion that we've, that's been created and lives to this day. And this is what you give these people. And this is how much you mean to them. And I would just like to share that with him, just more or less as a way to collectively say thanks from everybody, from the millions and millions of people whose lives he touched. And I think if he's in, if we're in that environment, you can hopefully you can really get a feel for uh, the, the, the people and the connection and the, the, the emotion that they have associated with Walt Disney World and the man himself. Something you said has uh, sparked a question that I'm going to save for the very end um, that I'm going to put to you and more importantly put to list, put to the listeners. There was something else that that uh, came to mind as well, too, in terms of individual attractions. It's something like the Kilimanjaro Safari, as I was talking about uh, some things, you know, Animal Kingdom Lodge. That, to a certain degree, would sort of be the ultimate real realization of what he wanted for his original Jungle Cruise, right? He wanted yeah. live animals. He wanted that sort of unique experience. But what I think, Tim, um, in terms of what we want to show Walt, getting away from the specifics, I think we all want to show Walt that his legacy of storytelling and innovation is being carried on, right? Mm -hmm. Take him to New Fantasyland. Show him the technology of FastPass, My Magic Plus, the, the, the bands, uh, how things aren't just passive experiences anymore, right? Guests now have input into how the story gets told. Look at Enchanted Tales with Belle or, or Turtle Talk. Take him to the cruise line, right? Show him what, the, I mean, he would be fascinated and blown. Richard Sherman said when we were on the cruise last year, he goes, Walt would love this. Walt would love the cruise line, right? In mm -hmm. the parks, show him how technology is being used for good. Show him the, 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 the translation services and the, and the closed captioning devices. And I think finally, Tim, I think the most important thing we don't have to show Walt he would see was that it's not about the technology, the location, the places, the design, the details, the ride systems, whatever it may be. It's that the cast members mm -hmm. are carrying on his vision and many of them and predominantly most of them embody that spirit of Walt himself. That's why we go back. That's why we keep returning to this place. That's why millions of people keep coming. Those millions of people you talked about, that's why we come back, right? Yep. Maybe it's for the food. It could be for the characters. It is for the attractions, but it's the cast members that keep it, keep us coming back. And what I really want, Tim, is I want to hear, because, look, we want to take Walt everywhere, right? But I want to hear from the listeners where they, give me one place you want to take Walt and why, right? Leave it in the comment section Call it into the voicemail, 407-900-9391. You can call, leave your answer there if you want to do it, and, and I'll play it on the air. And in addition to where you want to take Walt, I have two other questions for you. Mm -hmm. Right? If we're able to, to, to bring Walt back from the great beyond and he's spending the day at Walt Disney World and he had to spend the night, where, would you, where would you want Walt to stay? And... The man is obviously starving at this point. <laughs> Where would you take Walt to eat? Mm. Where would you take him to eat? Where would he stay? And what thing or what place or what attraction do you want to show him? Come to this week's show notes over at WDWRadio.com. Click on 
this week's podcast link. Leave it in the comment section. You can tweet me. I'm at Lou Mangiello or Facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello or WW Radio. What I also need you to do, too, is go by and visit CelebrationsPress.com because that's where you will find all things Timmy Foster, Celebrations Magazine in print, in digital. You can subscribe. You can order back issues. If you send me an email, I'll send you Tim's address. You can go over and get a free hug, and he'll sign your copy for you as well. All day long. All day, every day. <laughs> Do you know it's going to be five years? Holy smokes. Fifth anniversary, my friend. I cannot believe it. It seems uh, it seems like 10 years that we met in the <laughs> lobby of that Sheridan and talked about uh, Celebrations Magazine. And listen, you continue to do an amazing job putting it together and with your staff of, of writers and contributors and photographers and everything else. It is still, a, and I say this because I am a fan first, uh, it is a beautiful magazine. Dare I say, a beautiful keepsake. You know what? Yeah. I, th- I think Walt would be proud. Oh, well, that would be the ultimate dream, wouldn't it? That'd be so cool. <laughs> that was just me sucking up. The whole Walt conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll send you your bishop. All right. So listen, we uh, we have many, many more intriguing and interesting top tens coming up. Again, uh, you find him over at not just at Celebrations Press, but GuideToTheMagic.com. And you'll also find him in Walt Disney World, either, uh, well, he'll probably be at the chicken exit of any attraction Yep, towering at the gate. Cowering at the tower is where you'll find it. Weeping silently. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks again. Yep. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history. See how well you pay attention to the details of what you see or hear, and answer for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and randomly select our winner. So last week, we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean in an email segment, and so it got me thinking about that classic attraction, all the trivia and facts and figures, great history that is associated with it, And so the question I had for you last week was, what is the name of Barbosa's ship in the Walt Disney World Pirates of the Caribbean attraction? And the answer is still the Wicked Wench, as it was when the attraction first opened back in 1973. It's not the Black Pearl for a variety of reasons, one of which is that it takes place at a different period of time than the Pirates of the Caribbean film. Uh, Congratulations and thanks to all of you who answered that question correctly. And from the hundreds of correct entries, I randomly selected one. And this week's winner is Pat Wagner. So, Pat, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. You won all of my audio tours, a WDW Radio luggage tag, button, and a signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2. If you didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, since we're imagining walking with Walt in Walt Disney World, I wanted to ask you a question about where you can find Walt in Walt Disney World, specifically references to Walt Disney, the man. And as you know, the windows on Main Street USA are tributes to those people who helped create Walt Disney World and build the Disney company. And Walt's name can actually be found on three windows on Main Street USA. One of them, my personal favorite, is a door honoring all the cast members of Walt Disney World, past and present, but there's two more. So your challenge this week is to tell me the location of those two windows. Just tell me what two buildings on Main Street USA you can find Walt Disney's name. You have until Sunday, April 14th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You'll once again be playing for all the audio tours, a luggage tag, button, a signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2, and because I'm going to visit the Walt Disney Family Museum this weekend as part of our WDW Radio On The Road event, I'm going to bring you back a little something as an extra prize for your package. So good luck and have fun. (laughs) 
That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. In addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe to on iTunes, be sure to visit the website over at www.radio.com and join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live and the Walt Disney World newscast where you can watch and chat with us live in the chat room as we discuss this week's Walt Disney World news. Speaking of live broadcasts, I'll also be broadcasting earlier on this Wednesday, April 10th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern with author Ridley Pearson. He's the author of the Kingdom Keeper series of books. He'll be in downtown Disney and Walt Disney World later that day at Once Upon a Toy for a book signing. You'll be able to watch and chat with Ridley starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. Then stay tuned as we join Ridley and other fans of the Kingdom Keeper series during the day as they line up for Ridley's book signing. Later on that night, we'll also have the newscast. And on the website, also check out our daily blog post videos. Sign up for our newsletter. Download the free WDW Radio app for your iPhone or Android device. Get easy, free access to the podcast, blogs, videos, live events, discussion forums, and lots more. Also, be sure and follow me on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello and Facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. You can subscribe there or come like the page over at Facebook.com slash WDW Radio. I love hearing from you, so if you have a question you want answered on the air, you can email me at Lou at WDWRadio.com or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, a comment, or just saying hello from the parks. Also, be sure and join us in person for some of our live events, including Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World, because as much as I love hearing from you and connecting with you on the social networks, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. So our next Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World is going to be Saturday, April 20th, starting at 1.30 p.m. We'll be at one of my favorite locations in all of Walt Disney World, the Katsura Grill, the upper-level seating area in Japan in Epcot. The Flower and Garden Festival is going on. The Village People are playing that night in the Flower Power Concert Series. You can find out more in RSVP over at www.radio.com. Click on the events page or on our Facebook events page as well, too. Stay tuned for details about upcoming Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World and other special events we have going on, including other WDW Radio on-the-road events. I'll be in Toronto, New York City, Seattle. We'll be going to Alani this summer and, of course, with Ridley Pearson on the Disney Fantasy this November 2nd through the 9th. You can find out more about all these events, get quotes and more information by visiting WDW Radio and clicking on the events tab. I want to give quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider because it's who I use. So whether you're coming to Disney World, Land, Adventures by Disney, coming with us or going on your own cruise on the Disney Cruise Line, Becky Mencken and her team give you incredible levels of personal service, all available discounts, all at no additional cost to you. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And if you want some Disney magic delivered right to your door, you heard him on the show this week, Tim Foster over at celebrationspress.com. You can subscribe and order back issues there. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Come by, comment, share links over on Facebook, and please Come by, rate and review the show and the app over at iTunes. Very, very helpful. Very much appreciated. And finally, most importantly, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for taking the time out of your day and your week to tune in and listen to the show and for letting me share my passion for Disney with you through the show and so many other ways. And I want you to start doing what you love. So take your dreams seriously. Stop thinking about what if and replace it with I will. Believe in yourself and always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Luke West from South Dakota. Every once in a while, I call the phone booth at England just to see if someone picks up, and I tell them to have a great day, and we'll sometimes chat for a minute or two. And I just called today and said that none of the three numbers are working, so I don't know if they have changed those or have stopped incoming calls or what, but just thought I'd let you know. Hope you're having a good one. Bye-bye. You've got a friend